A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the Red Men Weekly Podcast. Stay here here to bring you the best clips from all of our Red Men Plus content from the last week or so. Yeah, I always mention this at the start of the show, but let me say it again. All these shows are available in full over on redmenplus.com, both in video and podcast forms that you can get in your native podcast apps. If you go over there to redmenplus.com, sign up as a yearly club captain and use the code YEAR, Y-E-A-R, you'll get 50% off. So rather than paying 50 quid for 12 months of content, you'll only pay £25 and spoiler it. Not only will you get all these amazing shows, you'll also get our Roberto Firmino documentary, which comes out at the end of June. So yeah, head on over there now and use that discount code. It'll go off on the end of May. So if you don't wait, don't wait till June and think I'll do it then because it won't be that off won't exist anymore. So go over there and go and do it now. Right then, the first clip I want to bring you is from the final word show. I hosted Abby Rukin and Jamie Cranford to talk about Liverpool's draw with Aston Villa. So yeah, here's what we had to say about that game. This is where Tyrone Mings turns into Jackie Chan and decides to try and take Cody Gakpo's soul out of his chest with his studs. Um, I understand he does get the ball. There's a toe on the ball. I completely understand it. I think Jota should have been sent off against Tottenham, and I think Tyrone Ming should have been sent off here. How that isn't deemed dangerous play when you kick someone in the middle of their chest, and you, anyone who saw Cody Gappo with his top off, Alison Becker had even done a demo for the ref when he yeah. put his foot. Look what he's done! Like put his foot next to yeah. it. Like, in what world does the ref do they not send them off for that? Like, I don't know. Did he didn't go to the monitor? Did he? It was no. just it was a VAR yeah, decision. It. Yeah. it wasn't a clear and obvious error. I can't understand for the life of me how it you. You can deem someone getting kicked in the chest as not a clean. At least, at least let the ref go and have a have a check. Klopp said he looked like an Adidas sign after the game. Did you see? He literally had like yeah. three slashes across him. Across him, you'd think like the American werewolf for being at him. It looks so painful. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I think Jota should have been sent off, and I think he should have been sent off. That's it, really. But how can VAR not send him the monitor for that, but then send him off for? the offside for Gakpo's goal. I, it just baffles me. I, I I don't understand what like what like the protocol is in that. It's just oh it, he was literally slashed at and his boot was high and I don't, I mean it was dangerous play as far as I'm concerned and I just think he should have been sent off. Well I don't get Jamie right and I know this might sound really obvious so I apologise in advance if this is really dumb. But there's a fella who looks like he's been attacked by a tiger yeah. in front of you when he's got his top off. As a referee I don't care if you got the ball first or not. I would want to go and have a look at that. Mm. I would. I. I don't know if the ref can go. Listen, put the monitor on. I want to come and have a look. The fella has got a, t- a slash mark on his chest. Yeah. Something's happened here. There's no. What's happened? The fact that he doesn't go. 
it's, it's, I don't know, I, I can't, I can't understand it. Also, by the way, he might have been the last man. Like, Gapo yeah. yeah. might have been running through anyway. Never mind, you know, clear and obvious goal scoring thing. I don't, I can't. The, 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 the VAR, the process and around it, and I know Howard Webb's on the PR push to try and figure it all out, but he just stood there and told us every single time it had worked. So have a look at this. Like, how is, how is a referee deemed someone getting karate chopped in the chest? Not dangerous play. Yeah. I, I, the thing that was interesting having come on the back of that was I was amazed how much chat there is. There's, guy, there's the, the linos are saying stuff, the people in Stockley Park, and they're saying, like, there was one, it was a corner, it's like, it's an in-swinging corner from a right foot, so watch for it going out. All of these minute little thing. watch for handball, watch for this, watch for shirt pulls, like, they're constantly chattering. So you'd think as soon as that challenge happened, you'd think one of the however many people, I don't know if the fourth official's got a mic, one of yeah. the however many people who were watching it would go, possible dangerous play. And then you'd think, and then you'd think they'd go and check it. They must have, there must be a recording somewhere of them watching that in slow motion. Because he does touch a bit of more, but it, it's irrelevant. The, the categories mm. are, is it reckless? Mm. Which you could say, yeah, because he's it's it's a bit like the old um, what was it Nigel De Jong one in the World Cup final. It's like if you, once your foot is four feet off the ground, you're in. Uh, does it endanger an opponent? Well, he's got a big, yeah, he's, big you know, he's got a he's chest. got a big Wolverine's been out of chest. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so you'd say, well, yes, it fits into those two categories, so it should be a red card. But I think this might be, I don't know. I wonder if it falls into one of them where it's like, oh, we don't want to re-referee the game because this is now a thing, isn't it? Is oh, are you taking autonomy away from referees? But they tend not to, unless. Well, I was going to say unless it's really, really serious. This oh, was serious. <laughs> they tend not to. If a guy, if they've given a yellow, you have to more or less like chin someone for them mm. to say no. Go and change that to a red. Yeah. So I, well, I don't know. I don't know what was said, and I don't know why he didn't go and have a look at it. When we were on the cop, literally everyone was like, "Oh yeah, he's getting sent off for this." The moment the VAR thing came up, we were all like, "Absolutely, hundred percent, he's getting sent off for this." I was so shocked when he never. It's yeah, just yeah. ridiculous. And. What's interesting is that he was their best player. I thought Jamie as well. I thought he was brilliant all yeah. game. He, he was the one every time. He was really, really, really good. Um, and if they go down, they can't play the way they were playing at, with 10. I don't think you can have the high line with 10 because the two Liverpool will be able to yeah. knock it around. There would be more space for Alexander-Arnold, for example, and Jones there on the ball. Because they'd have to throw someone in their centre-back. They'd, they'd have effectively went 4-4-1. Four, four, mm. And there would have been space for Liverpool to play out a bit more and get in. It was a it was a big decision, like I say. We'll talk about the goal in a moment, but I think this one's almost worse. Like there's a bit there's an air of subjectivity to the goal. Where, did he kick it? Did he mean it? Did he not? Yeah. This there can't be no subjectivity. The fella got wellied in the chest, like, and it's not like I think if he, you know, if Tyrone Mings is clear on the ball and then his toe catches Gapo on the follow through, mm. but it's full studs. It, it, it's I can't I, if that isn't danger in a player kicking a man with just studs in the heart yeah like, what, what, what's dangerous I can't get my head around it he's yeah he's he's made a decision here that I'm going to get to this ball and I don't care about whatever happens after that and you can't do there was one in the Euros last year of I, I can't even remember who it was but so I was looking at it going was that harsh and like no because someone made actually a really good challenge of like a bouncing ball but as the foot came down it could have broken a fella's leg because his, his foot I can't even remember what game it was and uh, uh, originally I was thinking like 
but he's cleared the ball. It's like, yeah, but he's cleared the ball knowing he's going to crash into someone and yeah. you can't make these decisions. You've got to. I, some, some of the high foots now, I think, do get silly when there's a fella who, like, leans down to head the ball and his head's, like, two foot off the ground. You think, is that a high foot? But that, they were both, like, jumping, you know, it's, yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't, yeah, it, I can't should, it should have been a red card. Yeah. It? There's no. Yeah. There's no other way around. I can't believe it wasn't. Um, right then, the next big decision was a bit not much later. Was the disallowed goal, and uh, I'll come to you on this one. So, the general gist on this one is Virgil van Dijk is offside when Luis Diaz nods the ball back because it's deemed that concert as the ball ricocheted off concert and went back into van Dijk. It was deemed that concert never meant that. It was an unintentional deflection, and therefore. It should it's 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 offside. My rebuttal to that would be he fucking tries to kick the ball. He does. <laughs> he moves his left leg towards it. He literally I've watched the replay of it so many times trying to understand even at like literally he moves his left leg towards it. He he, he does it intentionally. He, he like he's literally watching the ball and then he knocks it with his foot. You can you can see that happening and it frustrates me so much to think about that. And then oh, it's just ridiculous, and then they send them to the screen to look at it. Yeah. What the hell? Like as as a as this happened in VAR before, where they've went to the screen over an offside. I've seen yeah. it. Have once, I seen yeah. it before? Not really. It's, think it's I've very seen very it. rare because I've seen a lot for, of people not fuming. Not for Gakpo getting his boot, like a boot scratched down his chest, yeah. but he'll go to go and see whether that was intentional or not. And it was, and it winds me up. Well, so I don't get much. Jamie. Is that um, it was deemed by the linesman? Whoever the linesman seen that. And deemed, you know, you know, whatever. That he knows what's happening. You think he knew what happened. I don't think it's obvious that he didn't mean to kick it because the goal. We've got to be, got to be careful. Here. The goal was given on field, yeah. So there has to be irrefutable evidence that the goal shouldn't be given. Yeah. Usually, when you draw the lines, that is the that's offside. It's offside, yeah. or he's not. This is the, the evidence is the goal was given, and then they've asked him to check did he mean to play that ball deliberately. Yeah. I don't think you can say categorically that concert did or didn't mean to hit that ball. It looks more like he did. Because he does swing his left leg yeah. at it. That's what I. This is what I don't understand about the whole process. Is that you can't know for sure. How can you rule out a goal on your guess? You're guessing. He sees one little stupid angle of it. There must be hundred angles of that from the yeah, everywhere. Yeah. He doesn't. See, we see what he sees. Yeah. That's what annoyed me about it. Is that if you think it's just it and bounced to Van Dijk, then yeah, he's offside. But you didn't think that. You didn't think that. You didn't think that. At the time, because you, you you give the goal, yeah, and there's nothing in that footage that shows he definitely didn't mean it. It's not just bounced off his chest; it hasn't just hit him on the leg. He yeah. moves his leg towards the ball. Like, again, this is where the process of VR baffles me. The I can't get, I can't get my head around it. I've mm. got no issue with him going to the monitor because if this guy thinks I'm not sure if he meant that or not. Yeah, and the, but there's no way the ref can be sure when he goes over. What it should be is, I don't know. We have to stick with what we've got. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what. Would you agree? Am I, am I yeah. getting this completely? Wrong? I think the only occasions in which someone couldn't be deemed to be, say a ball comes over your head and you miss a header and then it gets headed onto the back of your head or your back and mm. falls to someone who's offside. There's nothing you can do about that. Or if we're literally a yard away and a shot or a head or whatever bounces off a person and then goes to someone who's offside, the fact that he's he's running towards the ball. I just think, look at his stride pattern. like, And then for, for one particular stride, his left leg starts going all skew if. It's like he's, he's just all of a sudden developed a mad run. If he, you know, That's what they're saying, yeah. isn't it? Like, he's running perfectly normally, and then for one of the strides, his left leg just juts out. Because he wasn't trying to play the ball. He was just trying to just run. Like, I don't, 
Yeah, I couldn't get that. Even um, he's turned it on Monty Python sketch. Yeah, but exactly for just one for one step. Like <laughs> even you know our mate, the the esteemed Peter Walton couldn't didn't get why it wasn't being given. You know, like I don't know. Yeah, it was crazy. It's the clear and obvious error thing now, and they, they didn't like it wasn't a clear and obvious decision. So I just don't understand. I, it. Ju- I again back to the. It, the, the reverse of the offside thing is once they get told you need to look at this, it's almost like uh, someone's made a mistake. Like yeah. they, they, you're very, you know, because a referee, if someone like in an extreme circumstance went up and punched someone and the ref gave a yellow and they said you need to look at it, the ref could go, well, I don't think it's a red. Even if it's the stupidest, even if it's the most obvious decision in the world, yeah. the ref funny. should still... If they think something that nobody else in the world thinks, they should have the power to do that. But it's almost like once they get told you need to look at the monitor, then they're looking for any reason to to overturn it because they don't want to make the mates in Sockley Park look like divvies yeah, now. That's awesome. You know, yeah, it was crazy, I, absolutely crazy, absolute nonsense. Can't believe that was another poor decision. Moving on then, thanks by the way to me, and I'm involved in this next clip as well, you're getting a steho heavy show, I'm sure you're delighted about that one, yeah it was the Red Men uh, Biased Football Podcast, it was Paul Machen, it was Chris Pajak, it was Chloe Bloxham, and it was me as well, and yeah, it gives us a chance to talk about things that aren't exclusively to do with Liverpool, but doing so through, yeah, a bit of bias as the, as the title suggests, so yeah, here's this week's clip from the Biased Football Podcast. This is a team that's got 115 charges uh, hanging over their heads. It was mentioned, you know, the guy who's the, the chair, the chairman of the Premier League, who's, who's behind these charges, is handing out the medals. Is that Masters, is it? Or you know, like Richard, Richard Masters. Masters is handing out the. It's trying to argue. The fellas in Arsenal fan who's the lawyer and stuff. It's, you know what it is, mate. It, I, City fans won't give a toss, and I understand that. And it might sound like bitter. They won't give a toss until they give a toss if it all got to. Yeah, they do. But like right now, the, the the sense I get is Man City fans think it's all a conspiracy theory, and they they believe they've done nothing wrong, and that this will all, they'll all be cleared and whatever comes of it. Um, I'm not quite sure about that. We don't know how it's going to pan out. Unfortunately, mate, that doesn't give Arsenal even if Ars- if they strip City, Arsenal haven't won the league. Yeah, no. And like you know, it, it, that's that's the that's the, the thing about it is like, why does it have to take so long? This like. You know, if I if I go and smack you in the face tonight, now I'd be arrested, I'd be in jail tomorrow, I'd be charged in the morning. The fact that these things take so frigging long to go through is that, and that you can legally challenge and legally challenge and legally challenge, and they've got the best lawyers in the world, and we're fighting because he is an Arsenal fan, and that you know, cash can't do that. Just because you, you, you've referenced that a couple of times. What's what's this Arsenal fan? So the the guy yeah. who brought the charges against them is an Arsenal fan. The lawyer is an Arsenal fan, and City have complained. Saying he shouldn't be he, the barrister shouldn't be an Arsenal fan. It should be someone neutral. Well, it's just like another complaint, another thing. I, to throw I don't in. think you're going to get a neutral person in in English football. No, no, but what this, <laughs> me, this is my point. Why, if they're innocent, who gives a fuck? If you're innocent, it, just, yeah. it, 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 it feels like they're trying to they're doing the, the the classic Donald Trump. This is all a stitch up. Yeah, that's what they're trying to do. Um, and that that go back to it. It because they're so rich, and this it, it's it's a problem in all society. Things go take things take longer and things take longer and before you know it, it's a little sweep under the carpet there and stuff. Like judging anybody against it again, it's going back to it's Lance Armstrong in the in the Tour de France. It, it it's that kind of thing is that the that he came second didn't win his medals. He, he got given them or whatever you know. You don't get your moment. So whatever happens now because if and, and 
also like no one's got any faith that it's going to happen everyone just presumes like it'll get like last time they'll get away with it that also hasn't helped with for me the Ivan Tony situation he was found done for for betting on football games ages ago and yet only just got his ban. I think this week was maybe his first week. He was allowed to play football whilst he was charged. Whilst he'd already known that he'd done this, he was still allowed to continually play football. As soon as you'd found that out, why wasn't he stopped? And why is he being allowed to come back to it in a year's time? Well, I know yeah. we're on two different stretches here, yeah. but if they can't control such a thing is is betting a, a bit on on some stuff, and it's not uh, sorry to Brentford, but you're not one of the big six. You're not someone where if it happened to Liverpool, it'd be like, oh, we probably can't do that actually because Liverpool are Liverpool. It's it's Brentford, and they couldn't you know take Ivan Tony straight out of the final line and say, no, what you've done is wrong. You can stop it. And the longer it goes on, the less likely it is that anything will get done because people forget about it. What I do find absolutely hysterical is, is like we mentioned the records that they've had on how much they're earning and the revenue. Did anyone see the scenes outside the Etihad when they when they were announced winners? Because there was about twenty was people. Pathetic. There was about twenty people maximum around that stadium. Also, Chloe, How can you have the maximum revenue in terms of people buying into the club if you win and you can't even get people celebrating outside the stadium? Look, look at the look at this, what's happening when people like Miguel Delaney's fighting this fight on Twitter yeah. and he's all the time talking about it. When you talk about it, you get shot down as you're being being biased or you're just hating you know well they bought you know Man United it was alright when Man United bought the league and when Liverpool bought the league yeah but they still follow by the rules at that time the the, the competition rules are different when Liverpool won the league you could do back passes mm-hmm. you know like, it, it's the same thing you, mm-hmm. you play to the rules that you play there was no financial fair play when yeah, Man United exactly. were and, investing and, their own money into the into it that's why Blackburn win a league because Jack Walker comes along and just goes fuck I'm winning this league and pays for it and I understand it but City fans who use that as an argument, but the rules have changed. Mm. If everyone else is following a set of rules and you're not, you are the outlier. Like I say, they might get found completely innocent of all of it's these just, things. It's not just everyone following the rules, though. You've got to remember Everton have fucked it. Yeah. But, they get, but, yeah, yeah, true, but they get again charged with it. And what I would say is like, the, the, there are two points to the City thing for me is that they are an amazing football team. The yeah. footballers and that, man, and that manager are incredible. They are beyond anything I've seen. They are almost like it's Guardiola's actually. It's Barcelona and this City team to me are on a different level. And the, by the way, it's because they have the fucking cyborg up front. Yeah. But you will never get rid of the you'll never get rid of the stigma until you until these this, charges this are is gone. The problem for me, and this is a little bit of what the way they're doing it. It's like a, I'm what you know. You give the best manager, coach, coach manager unlimited resources and, and the best possible circumstances lab around you, yeah? lab conditions, and say, go and achieve that stuff, and lo and behold, he has. I, you know, I put it on Twitter yesterday, this idea of the only pedal that Pep Guardiola is facing is the pedal that faces a world-class striker when a ball gets crossed to him and he's got an empty net in front of him. It's the potential embarrassment if you miss that. 
and you're not going to miss it. But there is a fractional percentage that you might put it over the bar and you get laughed at for the rest of your life. That's the only peril Manchester City face is that if they don't win everything, Pep might look a bit stupid. And he's actually, you know, and look how hurt he, he was in those seasons when they won four trophies and they tried to create, they called it the formidables. And Liverpool won the European Cup and no one gave a fuck that Man City won four trophies that season because Liverpool won the European Cup. I was there at that manager's awards and everyone was all, like all the trophies are laid out there. No one gave, no one gave a shit. There's the European Cup. There's Jürgen Jür- Jür- Klopp. And that's the thing that's the most annoying thing because you, you end up in this like, oh, you've got to give respect to footballers. You've got to give that. Whatever. Fucking the, the best players on the planet assembled into the most expensive squad and paid ridiculous amount of wages and all that kind of stuff with all the best training facilities and everything are going to win of course they are yeah. where's the fucking excitement in that it's boring there's no jeopardy yeah. in, in any of it for them is yeah. there you think about you know you mentioned the Phillips signing before for 50 million quid or whatever there's no jeopardy there if he gets it wrong there's no jeopardy if he makes a sign and it doesn't work out he's just going to buy another one yeah. it's yeah. the way that they've always well, he's going to now play sorry, sorry Steve you know it's like I was I was thinking about picking my fantasy team for the last couple of weeks of the season, and it was like you put all you put all your Man Man City kids in now. Put your Scott Carson in if you want, because that that last game of the season now it's like Phillips will play that last game of the season, and like um, uh, oh, Michael Lewis will play the last you game of the season. Right. Yeah, exactly, you know, because they because they've pissed it. What do I say to Paul? Like, there's always been teams who've had the most money. Yeah. And I've always done it. And you- but they, but having the most money, it's different. This is the problem. It's, sorry, I mean, it might not be your point, but this is fucking really annoys me. It's because people go Blackburn, Blackburn. Yeah, but Blackburn didn't over the course of ten years build Blackburn Rovers up into a super club. They didn't buy the best training facilities and build the stadium up to be a sixty. Have you been to Eagle Park? It's a shithole. It hasn't changed. In in in, in that. it's exactly the same stadium it was in nineteen ninety five when they won the league. They put all their money onto the playing field, and that team had won the title once and had a couple of decent seasons either side of it and then went and then went away we'll see this in time again people mentioned the Wrexham stuff like Rob McElhaney and, and, and Deadpool will fucking get to the fucking championship and that'll be it they might even get to the Premier League but they won't they, they're not they won't be able to come close to doing what Man City have done. So there's always examples of things where people can people can spend a little bit above yeah, and beyond. Yeah, we, we saw this with Abramovich though, and it does happen. But my, my yeah. point is, well, they, they fucking cheated as well. So it's exactly the same. Yeah, thing. but they, that's one point. They never. Yeah, but they did. They, they, but they didn't because the rules weren't there. This is my point. City, if City had done this twenty years ago, not not one of us could have had an argument because there was no rules to stop anyone could have done this. That's my point now. Anyone could have done it. Anyone could have got bought. It just happened. That, you know what, what Abramovich did? It changed footy, and he's the he's half the reason why they brought all these rules and and things in and, and all that kind of stuff. I have got no problems with an own. If I, I wish I had to do it sometimes, spend fucking loads of money on boss players. Absolutely fine, but there still has to be a, a book. And if you are actively breaking the, the rules and trying to go find sneaky ways around them, you are going to be like it's a complete it's a different argument. And I I think it's good they went. I think what City what he did in terms of building the ground and building the training ground and getting the best manager, they're all things that should be applauded by an ownership. But the fact that it's the cook in the books thing that gives you the the resource to be able to buy all the players, 
That's that's where that's where this comes yeah, I'm from. I'm not asked about the first few years where they ploughed loads yeah. in and they put a billion pounds in when the rules weren't there. It's when the rules have changed. I'm with yeah. you, Steve. Yeah. It's when the rules have changed and you've got an offshore yeah. account and you're paying fucking managers' salaries on top of this and you're paying agent fees. It's not clever buying Erling Haaland for fifty million because there's a release clause, but you no one else has got the money to pay another fifty million pounds to agents and have that money go out of the game and I, stuff like that. Yeah. And the fact is, this season they're going to end up probably winning the Champions League and you wait for them like them because of the problems that they've had with them that couldn't get proved but didn't mean that they were innocent two separate things yeah. and you're going to have the Premier League doing exactly the same thing my biggest hope on this Chloe is that and I don't have any faith that this is the thing because the longer this goes the more you just think it's just going to get swept yeah. under the rug is we're finally seeing the lots of mentions of the charges like they, meant, they did it on match of the day I mean match of the day are talking about hanging charges over over the football club That it's stupid but that, that kind of matters because everyone watches match of the day that's how people get their footy content it's not just Miguel Delaney it's like there's lots and lots of decent journalists are all talking about it there's now the and this, I made this point a few months ago, but like, it's good for Arsenal to win it, it's good for the league, but actually in some regards it might be good for the league for City just to sweep everything up because it makes everyone look at it. The hope is that the reason they're taking the time is because they've, they're going to do they're something... closing the loopholes. Exactly. They're going to do something fucking mega with it because they're at this point, they've made the bed the Premier League. If they don't do this now... Then it's a it's a free for all forever. Yeah. You know what I mean. Newcastle are going to go and do. They're just going to do exactly the same thing and beyond. Well, I, Man United's new owners will do exactly the same thing, and that'll be it. It'll be it'll be fucked forever. They've got one opportunity now to put it right. But when they put it, if they put it right, it's got to be something mega. It can't be like well, there's a million pound fine. And see, I don't, I don't know. It depends because you're right. I, I get it. Sorry to interrupt there, but if they whatever, if they get if they get a punishment, it does tar everything. And, it, and and again, it, the people who were in the stadium for those for the, when they win the treble or whatever, they won't care because they still get those mm-hmm. memories. But it does, it you know, it does. It ma- it will matter. It'll matter to perception. I think it will matter. Like if the top, if someone legacy of of footballers and football teams and stuff. That's that's what matters in the long run when they all retire. Yeah, yeah, you won the five titles, but there's a no one's big, ever letting them forget. There's that. a exactly there's a big fucking asterisk next to it. You don't get the respect that they deserve. Uh, so I, I I agree that there should be a, the punishment should be huge if they're guilty, but as soon, it doesn't matter what the punishment is if they're found guilty and even if they take five points off them for the next season, it's ah. But every single fucking thing you won, you, everyone knows you cheated. No one gives. No yeah, one. But g- you say that, but they've been they've been effectively found uh, uh, guilty. They've been punished over these things, and no one gives a fuck because no one cares that you're only allowed to register twenty two people in your Champions League squad. You know what I mean? No one cares when they've broken these things in the past. It needs to be something. Massive. It needs it to be that, fucking massive. You, you started this sort of talking about the journalists and great that Match of the Day are doing it now. It's far too little too late. Yeah. Because this should have been a talking point all season long. Since, the, was it January when those charges came out? From January till today, the only journalist that I've consistently seen talk about it is Miguel Delaney, who is is absolutely barraged for him he's been brilliant on it the entire way through for everyone else even on saturday when 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 they won the league nobody mentioned it in their articles it wasn't until sunday when a memo fucking went round them all because the saturday articles were all lauding this fantastic football no and this is the problem if that had been written about week in week out you couldn't get away on saturday from those articles so they're all just complicit in it as well because they don't want to lose access and all that i'm mad this actually saying stuff like that but um they should be you know you're a journalist you should be holding yourself to a higher regard and getting at the crux of the story and the crux of the story has been and always will be that they're cheating fucking scumbags 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And that's that. Right then, let's move on. It's transfer inside time. Dan Club, the man who gets on the phones, everybody who you need to hear from when it comes to all kinds of speculation, news, rumours, updates, all that kind of stuff. Dan is the man. His phone book is bursting at the moment, as it always had. He's had some amazing people on Expert Insights and Transfer Insights throughout the season, and he did it again when he got Roy Nemer, the owner of Mundo Alba Celeste, let's go with that one. My uh, Argentinian isn't great, but yeah, he's an Argentinian football expert, and of course, you can guess what he spoke about, yeah? It was all about Alexis McAllister. Yes, let's get the lowdown on Alexis McAllister with Roy Nemer. I, of course, have to ask you, you mentioned earlier on how he's not shy of getting involved defensively. He's not exactly a tough tackling midfielder who's going to win all these duels and win all these physical battles. If he does have any weaknesses... Would you say they are it in terms of he's not got the physicality maybe of some other midfielders? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say his his physicality, but I do understand what you mean. Uh, maybe his defensive abilities because he's more attack-minded. Yeah. If you have him drop back, yes, he can you know help out defensively. His positioning is what helps him the most, in my opinion, okay. uh, when, in, when in defense. He's not the strongest. That's not to say he's weak. He, he's not weak by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not the strongest either. But at the same time, he knows how to ride a tackle. He can take a hit. Uh, and he's used to the Premier League, so there's not that adaptation period of, okay, well, he's going to join, especially a club like Liverpool and, and club system, mm-hmm. where you're like, okay, he really has to adapt to that and tap to the league. He has it already in, in abundance. Uh, so for him, or in my opinion anyways, in regards to, to McAllister, it has to be maybe defensively in, in that sense. Um, but other than that, I mean, I'm, uh, he's he's just complete. I, I, I've always been a fan of his. Uh, and I said this before the World Cup, I said he's the most informed Argentine midfielder along with Enzo Fernandez, and you have to use him. And uh, good on him. He's done tremendous in the past year. And 
you know, just in regards to Argentina, he wasn't there. He wasn't even in the picture um, a year a year prior to Argentina winning yeah. the World Cup. A year prior to that, he was at the Olympics with the under twenty three team, uh, and uh, he's again just a tremendous, tremendous player. No, he's had an amazing rise, like you say. He's came almost out of nowhere in many senses, obviously on the international scene, but also on the domestic scene as well. He really has. His trajectory is is amazing. Um, you mentioned earlier on that he can only get better. I wanted to ask you about that now. How high do you think his ceiling is? Like he's about, He looks like he's about to move to Liverpool now. Absolutely no disrespect to Brighton. They've done amazing things themselves. Deserby's an amazing coach. I think we could all just about agree that Jurgen Klopp is a better coach and he might have better players around him or be this season hasn't always looked like that at Liverpool but in terms of McAllister he's maturing he's 24 now he seems to be getting better and better all the time how good can this player be and do you think he will develop further at Liverpool? I think he will Uh, I think any talented intelligent player will develop under any good coach let alone someone like Klopp Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that goes without saying um I'm not going to say he's going to end up being the best midfielder in the Premier League, but I think he would, or he has the potential to absolutely be up there because at club level, what he's going to, or who he's going to be playing with at Liverpool, you're talking world class strikers, world class players, world class defenders, goalkeepers, coaching staff. Mm -hmm. With the national team, he's, I don't say this with any disrespect to any other national team, but you know, he's playing the national team, the world champions. He played that tournament. So he's playing with, again, world-class players. And I don't, it doesn't get much more world-class than, you know, Messi at this no, point. Definitely and no, and the fact that, you know, he's been able to play with them and, and stay at that level, uh, he can only get better because he's surrounded by world-class players. And in my opinion, he is a world-class player. Uh, or if he's not, I think he's, just at the cusp, he's just almost there. Um, and someone like Klopp, I think, will do wonders with McAllister because of his intelligence. And he's not someone, knock on wood, that is injury prone, right? You don't really hear about him being injured for long periods of time. Um, he's always there. He puts in the shifts. He He's more than capable of playing the 90 minutes. Uh, he is versatile in midfield, you know, depending on where you want to play. But him at Liverpool with Klopp, um, he has the, the the potential to really be. I'll, I'll put it this way, and and I'm someone that loves Thiago because I loved him at Barcelona. I thought he was world class at Bayern as well. But I think you're going to get out of Alexis McAllister what Liverpool thought they would get under Thiago, but healthy. Okay, that makes sense. So you're going to get someone that's just. Maybe not as flashy, not as flashy as Thiago with his touches, but definitely just as intelligent and just as solid um, when uh, when in attack. Okay, I mean, I am the biggest Thiago fanboy possibly in Liverpool. So if McAllister can even get close to what that man can do with football, then I'm happy because Thiago, I mean, you're right. Uh, all jokes aside, like Barcelona and Bayern Munich, absolutely incredible. Hasn't really happened for him at Liverpool, but mainly due to injuries. Like whenever he's fit, he's phenomenal. I just love watching him. Um, and if McAllister can be that but fit, then happy days for me. I was going to ask you if you think he'll fit at Liverpool and if it'll work but I don't think I need to anymore but I will go on if he does end up being a red you see it going well I assume yeah very well Uh, very well for all of the reasons that we spoke about Uh, no integration period or no adaptation period he knows the league Uh, and he's a smart player he's a good player he's going to play under uh, one of the best coaches in the world Um, and what I'm most excited about 
is potentially Europe. Well, not potentially, it would be Europe and mm-hmm. hopefully Champions League, knock on wood. I haven't uh, checked the standings, but hopefully, um, hopefully Champions League uh, by the time it's all said and done uh, because he is a player that's made for the big stage and mm. he showed it, he proved it. There's no better stage than a World Cup or no bigger stage than a World Cup. And I don't see why this would not go well for him. Uh, for him or for the club, I think he can instantly become a, a, a fan favorite. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, he's a very unselfish player, and to be at that number ten or to be on number ten, if you look at all the the playmakers in the world, they have to be unselfish, right? Whether they're world class or maybe not world class, you have to be, and that's what he is. And I think Liverpool will grow to to appreciate him very very quickly. It's interesting to use the word unselfish there. I know as I said I was about to finish, but I just want to pick up on something because the one of the main things that I've noticed by doing a lot of research and looking into McAllister is his numbers in terms of assists and goals. And for somebody who is so attack-minded and wants to influence the final third so much, his numbers aren't outstanding. Like, they're better this year, but he's on penalties for Brighton now, so his numbers are going to improve. Do you think that's down to... And again, no disrespect to Brighton, but Brighton haven't really been that free scoring throughout. Do you think it's more that? Do you think it's McAllister's role maybe? And on the flip side of all that, do you think coming to Liverpool with the likes of Mohamed Salah, Cody Gakpo, Luis Diaz, Diogo Jota, do you think his numbers will improve because of having those players around him perhaps? Uh, I think they will. And, uh, and to answer your first question, I think it's a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, I think maybe, and no disrespect to Brighton, they've done... Amazing, amazing this season yeah. it goes without saying uh, but yeah not having that clinical number nine in front of him or you know like you said Mohamed Salah in front of him think that that or having him in front of him that's going to play that's going to help with his numbers but more specifically with, with McAllister it's not just that killer pass to the striker but it's everything in the build up play yeah. as well so and I I Personally, I'm not someone that likes these, you know, the numbers, the statistics of key passes and pre-assists. I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> he's someone that will get you those, you know, those key passes. Yeah. Like he'll play that through ball in, let's say that killer through ball to the winger that will open things yeah, up and that yeah. winger will play it to, you know, to the striker. Um, so I think it's it's a bit of that. Uh, it's the, it could be the system, although the system's fitting him, suiting him very, very well. Uh, but at Liverpool, I think his numbers will only get better. Uh, and if you don't see him racking up, you know, double digits in terms of goals, he'll certainly get it in terms of assists. And if not, his overall play will still be good because of the quote-unquote pre-assists and the key passes that, that open things up. Thanks very much to Dan. Thanks very much to Roy. Yeah, there was a brief clip that I wasn't in, but don't worry about it. I'm in the next one. I'm sure you're buzzing about that as well. Yeah, Jano Insight. Me and Goal.com's Neil Jones had a big old chat about the Reds. What's going on at Liverpool? Who are they going to sign? Who's going to be making the signings? And all that kind of stuff as well. So yeah, check out this week's Jano Insight clip. One of George Schmadke's first jobs might be to try and sign Alexis McAllister. Rich says, um, it sounds like McAllister's going to happen. What are Neil's thoughts? Um, but he's basing this on, and I got a bit more context off when I went back. You know, there's reports in Argentina saying that um, it's near enough done. I think it was um, TYC, is it, Sports, who said something along the lines of, there's nothing else missing now, we're just waiting for McAllister to end the season. There was, it was, I think Sky Sports made a little bit out of yesterday at the end of the game saying he looks like he's saying his goodbyes yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure he was from the video I watched. He just looked like a fellow waving at people. But listen, I might be wrong, but um, we, we got down to Mason Mount <laughs> to get that kind of got roadblocks. Are we, are we expecting McAllister roadblocks? Are we confident? <laughs> what, what, how should we, what yeah, are I suppose it? it depends on 
I think a couple of things. I don't. I don't think the player is an is an issue. Really, it doesn't feel like that anyway. It feels like Liverpool can get McAllister. I think the money, you know, is, is the question. I don't. I don't think it's a question. It's just what's the what's the fee going to be? You know, what are Liverpool going to agree with Brighton? I think Brighton have resigned to losing. And you see, you've heard the comments from their, their, their chief executive, from from the manager. Um, I think they're resigned to at least one, probably both of McAllister and Caicedo leaving this summer. Yeah, can I just, can I just clarify on that? Uh, Tony Bloom, as reported by Fabrizio Romano, says, we'll be able to compete next season if we, even if we lose a couple of star players. That happens at almost every club yeah. and we don't worry as long as we get the players. As long as we get the right price for our players, they'll sometimes go. With, and does yeah. Erby mention the he said... He said, he said we, we, we're probably going uh, to lose, lose some players, maybe McAllister, maybe Caicedo, but then I think he said Matoma and, and Estepinan... Will stay. Will st- uh, they, they need another year, which, you know... I'm not convinced. <laughs> I think I think both of those are really, really good. I think Matoma. Then Cecil might be ready to go. Yeah, he's played like ten games. He's brilliant. Him. Yeah, Evan Ferguson as well. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Brighton have got some. Brighton have got some talent there, hundred yeah. percent. But yeah, I think McAllister is at that level. Obviously, won won the, won the World Cup twenty four. I think he's at the level where the button can be pushed on him in terms of yeah, you can rely on him. Exciting player, whoever gets him. I think I think Liverpool will get him. I agree with Rich. I think Liverpool will end up with McAllister playing for them next season, um, and then it'll be, you know, who who else comes in alongside that. But I, I mean, you know, that that that's linked to the Mount a little bit, isn't it? There was talk Man United want McAllister, so if they are going for Mount, maybe that is sort of the natural conclusion that well, we weren't going to get both. You get one each, and you sort of you move on from there, possibly. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I think McAllister looks like he's definitely on the move this summer, and I think Liverpool are definitely going to be very close at the uh, the front of the queue. No, I, I agree. With you. I, I tend to, I tend to believe that. I, I, I thought they were going to sign Mason Mount, so I thought I know I'm nowhere near yeah. with you. If, if, if the, I suppose that if that's the start of this, I think everyone will be very, very happy. It'll be what comes next because. Um, it looks like, for example, Mason Mount might go to Man United. The Agate links were kind of squashed by Liverpool. It looks like PSG might even be in for him at the moment and he's going there. The Gravenberg thing is far from yeah. concluded because Bayern Munich don't want to sell him. Depends on buying, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, Nunes was a target and then he's not. And then, and then there was Conor Gallagher who was a little bit underwhelming and Coop Manners and all these kind of things. It do, Again, Schmanker's got a lot on. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Even if McAllister is a great first step, like, I agree with you, I think Liverpool will sign him. But then he's the obvious one, but there's not really the, the next one. There's no obvious one for me because I thought Mason Mount was that, and I've been proved wrong it, again. This we, we've been saying for a while, Neil Liverpool want to get the business done early, and of course they do. You know, I want a full head of hair and to lose twenty stone, but like it's not gonna happen. Twenty stone. I mean, okay, I'll be thin. Okay, <laughs> get down to twenty stone. What that big one? Right? No, <laughs> I'm losing it. Be dead, Steve. Okay, what do we reckon? I can afford to lose five stone probably. Um, yeah, it was to maybe it's like. I, it doesn't seem as straightforward as the summer as I thought it was going to be. It feels messy already. No, but, but then there's also that idea that Liverpool have done it before, you know, where, where a player just comes out and you go, I didn't, didn't think they'd sign him. You know, Fabinho was probably a good example of that, wasn't he? But I don't think people were waiting for the summer and going, oh, can we get Fabinho? You know, people people just went, all right. Cody Gapo on Christmas Day. Yeah, it, it came it, out. I think even Darwin Nunez, I think last summer, I think people saw him in the Benfica game, but I don't think people went into that summer thinking, we're going to get Darwin, Darwin Nunez. I think things can develop very quickly. A target can just emerge and, and be done almost by the time you you know you realise what's going on. So I think that there are possibilities. I th- it's clear what Liverpool want, what type of player it is. I think they, they want they want sort of a certain age. I think you're looking at 
I personally think you're looking between 20 to 25. Maybe, maybe 20 is a bit young. You might even be looking more more 21, 22. Um, you're looking at a player that's played at a good level either in the Champions League or in the top flight in Europe for probably more than a couple of seasons. You're looking at someone who, who can play as a, a number eight in, in maybe different systems. So you can play in a, as a two, as a three, maybe in a, like you say, in this box sort of system. And you're looking at someone who's not going to cost sort of 100 million plus. So there's plenty out there. You know, that's not, I, I, that sounds like a lot of criteria, but it doesn't narrow the field that much. There's a lot of players in, in that, that zone. So I think, I think there'll be possibilities for Liverpool, obviously. But yeah, you're right in terms of it's not, it's not obvious where you say, oh, yeah, they'll get him and him and him. But I don't think it ever really is, you know. I don't, I don't know. I don't. I can't, I'm trying to think of the one really where maybe Allison, when they signed Allison, it was like we knew they wanted Allison for a long time. Van Dijk, they wanted them for a long time. Kate was trail for a long time. But other than that, you know, really none of, none of the signings. I don't think. I'm trying. To, who else? Jota was a bit of a surprise one, wasn't he? He didn't come for a while. Diaz was. Diaz was out of the. Yeah, I mean he was linked, but he, I think it was out of the blue when that was the the, the button was pushed. Nunez obviously. Um, as well, so uh, th- there's possibility for sort of a link to sort of suddenly take off, and and before you know it, it's almost it's done. So I think I think we we know the transfer window on 14th of June, isn't it? It opens, so you know what's that? Three weeks. Um, I think we'll see a lot of acceleration in the next three weeks. And also, but yeah, there might be a lot done before then. Because they all go under all these international yeah, yeah. games to play, isn't it? As well, yeah, of course, yeah, and and exactly, and really without you know. Sound and sort of our captain hindsight, but a lot of the work is probably done on yeah. a, on a lot of targets that we just don't know about it, and it's what what comes out and what comes out. So when we when you say it accelerates quickly, it's like yeah, but it's not the first time you've spoken to Luis Diaz's agent or the first time you've sort of asked the question of Porto. Or it, it, a lot of it's done. It's just a case of right now we're going to expedite the sort of the paperwork, the the, the processes of it. You know, the groundwork will be done by all, most clubs. If it isn't, then something's been going wrong. Yeah, hopefully, uh, Julian's handing a big old file of paperwork over to <laughs> yeah. George Mechelen going, right. Just a list of, Bo- uh, yeah. list of phone numbers. He's, he's boxed off. Go yeah. and give him a get, get him over the line. You can, yeah. you can send the faxes. And finally, last but not least, yes, it is the deep dive. No Chris Pajak this week. He's away on a little bit of a mini holiday. But don't worry, the amazing Dan Club stepped in with Josh to talk all about the Reds from a statistical, easy for me to say, analytical, tactical point of view. Yeah, here is this week's deep dive. Yeah, well, this is one I've been waiting to do, but we, we haven't been able to do it because he hasn't played enough minutes in the yeah. role. But it's it's on Trent again, another Trent episode. But this is now like a proper look at what he looks like in the numbers mm-hmm. as a inverted fullback slash midfielder, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Compared to how he looks as a fullback in comparison to like the rest of the players in the league, so he's now played eight hundred and ten minutes as an inverted fullback, which is just off. I mean, I, the ideal kind of like nine hundred slash thousand minute sample mark. size type thing. Yeah, 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 but it's it's enough for us to get a, a decent picture of him. So yeah, I'm just going to touch on like different elements of his game, um, certain departments to touch on like how he's changed, how he hasn't changed in some cases. In yeah. most cases, actually, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. about that. Um, obviously, it's a 3-2-5 system that we're using nowadays, and it involves him moving into the middle of the park, which we've talked about on this show. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we can start with the first visit if, if you want. Yes, mate, absolutely. Yeah, go for it. It's just an interesting one, just to pick up on it. Like, 
obviously we're going to go into the numbers in a little bit more detail, but for me, just from sort of a layman's point of view, I've just seen a reinvigorated Trent Alexander-Arnold. And it'd be interesting yeah. to see if that's borne out in the numbers because he's just like he's playing with more freedom, he's enjoying himself more, and he seems to be having more of an impact on the side. He seems to be enjoying that. So, yeah, let's talk Let's talk numbers. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll get up to first Viz now. This is a very Viz-heavy show. Uh, I think there's four that we've got for this one. So um, this is basically um, two metrics, progressive passes, which will capture his tendency to move the ball forward, and pass completion, which captures his, his tendency to keep the ball. Essentially, mm -hmm. we know he's, he's been a player over the years who, who loses the ball a lot. And what we're seeing there, stay with me on this, because I'm going to have to wait. I'm going to kettle me on. I don't think doing this. But that is every Premier League player this season in defence and midfield only. Uh, everyone there that you can see is has played at least 900 minutes, I think it is, except Trent as an inverted fullback, obviously, mm -hmm. because he's he's got to be included in the sample. Um, and as you can see, he's now keeping the ball slightly more in comparison to the previous version of himself. Um, but in terms of moving the ball forward, it's about the same still. So I think that's quite interesting in terms mm -hmm. of like, Previously, I looked at his role on the right side of the pitch. He's always in spaces and he's always in yeah. all kinds of time and space when he's playing as a right-back. And I've always felt if you move him into a crowded area of the pitch, he's going to stop. He's not going to stop it, but he's, he's going to find a hard. It's going to be more packed. He's mm -hmm. going to have less time. Yeah. That suggests he's still very much just doing Trent Alexander-Arnold stuff mm -hmm. in terms of moving the ball forward, despite playing in a much more packed area of the park. Um I must admit, I did think he'd keep the ball a bit more than he is. It's only a slight upturn in, in terms of that. Okay. Um, why, do you, why do you think that is, just for instance? Because do you think that's because he's got more options available to him? Because from right back, he can play his obviously long diagonals that he used to play the switch to, whether it be Diaz, Mane previously, or indeed Andy Robertson. Yeah. But in terms of you expected him to have higher ball retention in terms of passing options, is that because he has more? He has his fellow midfielders, for instance. What, what, what causes that? I think for me, I, I when he when he plays as a right back, he's just he's obsessed with the killer pass. Yes, I think okay. um, he's the ultimate like playmaker, and he's he's obsessed with creating chances and, and splitting defenses open and stuff. Whereas, I think this new role consists of him being a bit more of a controller at times, and yeah. sometimes it'll just be a a sideways five yard pass if it's the best option. Whereas, mm. when he's playing as a right back, it feels a bit more killer, a bit more a bit more overload almost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's that's in, and I should say as well the Trent Alexander Arnold that you're seeing on these scatter plots that I'm using here, that is Trent career wise, his whole Liverpool career in mm -hmm. the Premier League. That's not this season, okay. and yeah, I'm comparing them against the Trent since the Arsenal game. So that's kind of what we're looking at there. But mm -hmm. in terms of his, his keeping the ball and his moving forward anyway, not a lot has changed apart from him keeping the ball slightly more. Um, whether that's a surprise to you know, or not, I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll move on anyway to, to the next viz. And this is basically this all the same stuff, but this is just to capture creativity now. Yeah. Uh, so on the bottom axis, we've got key passes. A key pass, for those who don't know, is a, a pass that leads to a shot. Um, and on the other axis, we've got expected assists, which... I, I won't even bother explaining it's what it says on the tin essentially and if you look at the players we were showing up well yeah. on the so graph he passes to Darwin Nunes and he misses essentially yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what we're talking yeah. about there yeah. <laughs> it's a good way of putting it yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you look at the, the, the players who were shining on this it's 
it probably captures that it's um, it's a decent mix because De Bruyne is the outlier on mm -hmm. his own. Most people would agree he's probably the most creative player in the league. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes is there, James Madison's there. And again, Trent, compared with himself, I think it's interesting because he, he's again averaging about the same number of chances created every mm -hmm. game. Still creating about two shots per game for his teammates. Mm -hmm. But in terms of expected assists, there's a boost there, which yeah. basically means, although he's creating the same chances for his teammates, same number of chances for his mm -hmm. teammates, they're now much better quality, basically. Yeah, and again, does that come down to having more options available to him? Because you wouldn't see him necessarily assisting Mohamed Salah, for instance, from his right-back role, because it's not always the simplest pass in the world. Yeah. But from this more central role, he does have, he's got a centre-forward, his left-winger, and indeed Mohamed Salah. Is that playing a part in that? And also, I suppose you you've spoke about it earlier, you called it the Trent Show on the WhatsApp to me, and it kind of <laughs> is a Trent Show, but some of our recent matches have been the Trent Show. Yeah. So is it also because he's getting on the ball a hell of a lot more? Like some of the, the basic stats from recent matches, the Leeds game, for instance, he had the most touches I think he'd ever had in the Premier League game. I think it was the second most in the league. So is it because we're getting our key man on the ball so much more that he's able to see an increase in these numbers? Yeah, well, to be honest, that was a, a, a stat that I looked at. I looked at touches and mm -hmm. I, you've just reminded me that I forgot to visualise it. Sorry about that, it's all good. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, he has received a boost touches-wise since yeah. he's been in this role. I think now he's averaging about, I think it was about 103 touches per match. Okay. Per 90, sorry. And previously, I think it was around 95 or so like that. Mm -hmm. So he, he is getting on the ball more. And I also think in comparison to the previous version of himself, yeah. A lot of his chances created were crosses mm -hmm. and there may be aerial shots from his teammates. Generally, they're not worth as much as no. clear-cut shots on, with the ball on the floor. Mm. I think now he's he's playing like through balls a lot more. Yeah. And, um, he's creating central shots that's with the ball on the floor, crucially, which makes a big difference. Absolutely. So it's, it's still very much Trent being very creative. Yeah. Uh, still looks like an outlier, but he's now creating more clear-cut, better chances, which is obviously a good thing. Yeah, absolutely, and for different people. I want to pick up on just two things before we move on from that, actually. Um, in terms of the other numbers on there, so obviously Kevin De Bruyne, like you say, is very much an outlier. Yeah. He's high quality, but in comparison to someone like Fernandez, do you know do you know the figures, I suppose? And also, I think Fernandez is a bit of a volume merchant when it comes to that sort of thing. Like, he's constantly trying to sort of provide that killer pass. Yeah. Do you think with Trent and Kevin De Bruyne, they're not trying it as much, but the quality's there when you do? Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, I think they are very measured. I think they're getting, they're getting better at that. And I think Trent has got better at that since he started um, playing in midfield, essentially. Yeah. I think it's kind of... Picking and choosing when yeah, to do yeah. it, it's yeah. A, it's almost put, like, the reins on him a little bit, like, kind of reining them in a little bit. And, mm -hmm. I think it's benefited Liverpool because defensively this season we have been a little bit open. Okay. And I think if you look at what Trent does as a player, he does give the ball away a lot. Yeah. And if you if you haven't got the the makeup in your team to cope with the amounts of counter attacks that might start, mm. you will suffer on the back of Trent trying things. And in the past we've had this like industrious workhorse midfield sweeping up the balls here. This season we haven't really got that. So bringing Trent into the middle, mm. maybe. Not stopping them from, from creating as much, but just 
almost tampering at a little bit. Absolutely. I think it's benefited Liverpool. 100%. And just one final one, and this is the very final one. You mentioned sort of a lot of the chances Trent's now creating aren't necessarily always crosses. Mm. Now, given the numbers of assists that he's been able to achieve already in his Liverpool career, mostly from right back and 90% of them probably from crosses, yeah. is there any part of you and all the Liverpool fans that would see that as a negative? His... But well, the, the fact we're not going to see him crossing the ball from that right back position as much, because I think in this new way of playing, we're not going to see Trent popping up and delivering that Club World Cup final ball to Bobby Firmino, for instance. You know what yeah, I mean? It's yeah. not going to happen, is it really? Yeah, well, I, think, I do think in the past we've had Firmino in the box, Mane in the box and Jota in the box. Mm-hmm. All of those, despite the size, are really underrated in the air, yeah. I think. Whereas now, for a lot of the season so far, we've played with like Gakpo in the box, Gakpo's tall, mm. but he's never been a header, no. header and type, no. type of forward. Uh, Diaz has not, has not particularly got that attached to his game. I, I would be disappointed with the, cross, with the cross and decline of Trent's game if we were playing with, say, for example, Nunes up top mm-hmm. and maybe Jota there. OK, that makes sense. Then you, then you may be missing out on the aerial yeah. threat because you've got the players to put the ball in there from that. So. Absolutely. But the way we're playing now, with the players we're playing with, yeah. might not really matter. Yeah. Cheers to Dan and to Josh for that one. Hope you enjoyed that clip and indeed all the other clips that you've just heard. Like I say, go and check them out in full. Redmenplus.com. Not going to bore you with the details too much. Redmenplus.com. Yearly club captain. Use the code yeah. Get it for half price. Absolute bargain. And make sure you yeah, keep an eye on all of our social channels as well and the YouTube channel as we reveal more about this amazing Bobby Firmino documentary that we've come and that is coming rather at the end of next month. Hope you guys have an amazing week. Thank you for sticking with us for Redmen Weekly through the season. Don't worry, it's not going anywhere. It'll continue throughout the summer as well. So do not worry. I'll be back next week. See you all soon. <laughs>